0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the experts who know how to digitize and renew business models for better results in manufacturing businesses. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, you already know, this is where the best run. We're proud to welcome a new series to the Game Changers radio family, debuted a couple weeks ago. And you heard what the gentleman said, changing the game with Industry 4.0, or 4.0, in the Intelligent Enterprise. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today, introducing our topic. I found a quote from Warren Bennis. He's very much alive and well-born in 1925, an American scholar, organizational consultant, and author, regarded as a pioneer in the contemporary field of leadership studies. Listen up. Be prepared to smile. You might even laugh out loud. Here's the quote. The factory of the future will have only two employees, a man and a dog. The man will be there to feed the dog. The dog will be there to keep the man from touching the equipment. Collective laugh. Now, let's see what we're talking about today. Today's manufacturing facilities are already capturing unprecedented, unparalleled amounts of data. But is it the right data? What do they do with it? How do they leverage it? The goal, they want to automate production. This is in any kind of manufacturing facility. They want to automate production. They want to improve productivity. Of course, they want to improve the bottom line. That's called profitability. And they want to enable predictive and intelligent, keyword here, intelligent data-driven processes. So what does manufacturing in the factory of the future look like? I have three experts on the show with me today. I'm very happy to have them here. And they're going to explore why industry offers the strategic priority to turn these challenges into real opportunities. And that's what every manufacturing company wants. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Let me tell you who my three panelists are, and then I'm going to ask each of them to introduce himself. I have three gentlemen on the panel. In a moment, we'll be meeting Raymond Russ. He called me, I could call him Ray, head of Smart Factory, Senior Director, Digital Transformation, and IIoT. That's a long title, Ray, at Fujitsu Americas. Welcome to Ray. We have Mike Lackey, who's been on many Game Changers radio shows with me over the years, Vice President of Solution Management, Digital Manufacturing at SAP. And rounding out the panel is another newcomer. In addition to Ray, we have Dave Elmer, a Director of the Enterprise Manufacturing Suite at Hunter Douglas. Welcome to my panelists. Ray Russ, why don't you kick this off? Why don't you take about two minutes and tell us who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for the smart factory of the future? Go ahead, Ray.
2: Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for having me today, and I appreciate it. And yes, you're right. That's a long title, right? So whether we call it (laughs) Smart Factory, Digital Transformation, Industrial IoT, Industry 4.0, Um, I would argue that the three panelists today have been doing this for a long time. We just didn't call it that, right? So probably more commonly known as ITOT integration. But that's part of my job and my role is really to help define um, what Industry 4.0 and all these technologies mean for customers and help them build their roadmap and their business case where they can achieve the business value of whatever you call these technologies. And I think there's some convergence now in the in the marketplace and settle a little bit more on Industry 4.0. But that's part of my role is to work with our partners like SAP and customers like Dave Elmer and Hunter Douglas to define that. So, and thanks again for having me uh, here oh, today. Oh,
1: delighted to have you. Ray, is the term smart factory new? Is this somebody woke up a year ago, six months ago, and said, I think we will make our factories more intelligent. I think we will use data. I think we will say, hey, this isn't just your grandpa's or your great-grandpa's factory this is the smart factory, and everybody will come and want to work here. Is Was that is that a revolution or an evolution or a eureka moment? Um, uh, no, I, I would say it's been around
2: for a while. I just think for a while, um, probably even more prevalent, I think, a few years ago was um, perfect plant and a few other terms. And I think the term or what people call it's evolved a little bit. But, no, I think we've been using the term smart factory for a while. I think it's a little more prevalent in the market now. Um, but, no, we've been doing this for a long time.
1: And quick question, when we think of manufacturing today, most people think of making cars or making consumer goods. Is this applicable, what we're talking about today, to every industry that makes something that has to put pieces together, whether it's from a 3D printer or whether it's from metal and plastic and and whatever, wires? Is this applicable, what we're talking about today, to any kind of manufacturing?
2: Absolutely, any kind of manufacturer, whether you're making – um, CPG products or uh, automobiles or widgets or hats or clothing, or you name it, but it's absolutely applicable. And even if um, some company worked with in the energy uh, arena as well would argue that they're making energy, right? So uh, absolutely yeah. applicable, applicable in the manufacturing space.
1: Thank you, and welcome, and let's move one seat around the table to Mr. Mike Lackey, who is no stranger to Game Changers Radio. Mike, welcome back. It's been a little bit of a while since we talked. Mike, why don't you, let's pretend nobody in the listening audience has heard of you, so let's start from the beginning. Who are you, and what do you do in digital manufacturing?
3: Well, well my job is to make is to make Ray and Dave here successful. So uh, Ray <laughs> and, and the Puditsu team is a very good partner, and Dave is a, has done a tremendous job you know, digital transformation at Hunter Douglas. So, uh, you know, I'm probably the, the one you want to hear these guys talk versus me. But I'm the global head of solution management, and, and I get the pleasure of, of on a global basis talking with customers about their business, where is it going in the next 2, five, ten years, and how manufacturing fits into that strategy. And although I'd say the smart factory has been around for a while, but we're at a point now, at this flexion point where, It's really taken on a a definition of of its own. If you think about what's going on in the boardrooms today, new business models. I mean, Bonnie, you and I I were on the future of the automobile, and we talked about are we going to be buying cars in the future, right? That's right. Products as a service. You pay by usage. Well, you know, to make that happen, you've got to change your processes in manufacturing. Lead times are getting smaller. Uh, I mean, lead times are getting shorter. Quantities are... uh, well, getting small, you may not be at a lot size of one, but your lot sizes are shrinking. And, you know, the demand of the customer, how do you respond to it? And one of the issues that we're seeing out there is, you know, young people do not want to come into the factory. How do you, you know, if you can't find workers, how do you keep your factories running 24-7? And, I, I you know, I'm not so sure I believe there's going to be a dog and a man, but I believe the worker mm-hmm. of the future is going to get much more educated, they're going to be much more technical, and they're going to keep these factories running. As your business moves from a make-to-order, I mean, from a, um, you know, a mm-hmm. make-to-stock to a make-to-order type model here. And you can make these decisions in the boardroom how you're going to change your business models, but if you don't change your processes, you're not going to be successful, you're not going to be able to deliver. Because our customers today, you know, we're, we're all into this uh, self-gratification. If, if, if I send you something doesn't meet your expectations, you know, you're going to give me one thumbs up, um, you know, my bottle of water was cold to you in the back of the car, so you gave me one thumbs up, and you're going to find some uh, you know, another supplier the next time. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on manufacturers today, and getting the right data into the right peoples or to the right place at the right time in a manner that you can make the decisions are really going to change the way the factory of the future looks.
1: Thank you, Mike. All great insights appreciate that. Yes, we do want our bottle of water cold. And we are... I don't know. Do you think the consumers are whimsical today, Mike? It's, oh, I'm going to use that phrase, it's the flavor of the month. Well, this company didn't deliver this, so I'm going to go out and look for somebody else. Do you think that we are, We are uh, because we have that opportunity and we have that very loud voice on social media, Yelp and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest, and we can critique and criticize all day long and say, I didn't like this, I'm going to go find something else. Do you think the consumers are aware that they have more power than just one place to go and one product to buy Mike quickly what do you think
3: yeah absolutely I, I think that they're there the the loyalty to brands that mm-hmm. a lot of us grew up with I don't believe is there I believe it's all about the experience yep. and it, you know new company I mean have we heard of Amazon a few years ago yep. uh, they changed uh, you know they changed the market they changed the world they stopped you. To go to that parking lot, find a space out in the back, walk through the rain, go into the store just to find out what you wanted wasn't there. So they mm-hmm. changed the whole buying experience. So yes, I think we're less tuned into the brand as to the experience and the delivery of the product you're getting.
1: Thank you. Very well put. We are indeed in the experience economy. And let's see if we can have another guest experience here. I'm moving around the table to Dave Elmer, who's been very patient at Hunter Douglas. Dave Elmer, welcome to Game Changers Radio. Please tell us who you are and what you do.
4: Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, Pleasure. I'm Dave Elmer. I I, uh, run and lead the manufacturing space at Hunter Douglas across the enterprise. I... uh, Started in this field uh, 20 years ago as a controls engineer and made my way to uh, director. Uh, So I have a full breadth of experience and knowledge, I feel. And I feel that the Industry 4.0 is definitely opening eyes across the spectrum of all. And uh, we are just part of the evolution of of Industry 4.0.
1: And 100 others. Thank you very much, Dave. Dave. Do you think that the, uh, that in your viewpoint, and I, I talked to the other panelists about this a moment ago, I think Ray said, "Smart factory," that notion has been around for a while. You agree with that, and do you have any any time when you woke up one day and you said, "Well, I've been in this game for 20 years, and today I can say the factory is really smart or getting smarter?" Any thoughts on that, Dave?
4: Uh, yeah, I think I agree with Ray. Um, I concur. I believe that the the factory is getting smarter. Um, I believe that the customer demand versus um, what needs to be done today is at a higher pace than we've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do believe that all factories and shop floors are getting smarter. I think uh, operators are making decisions that they didn't make before. Um, But I think it's a requirement. I think it's a requirement Mm -hmm. to... To be successful in this day and age mm-hmm. is that uh, all people have a say in, you know, if you really want to move the ball.
1: Thank you very much, Dave Elmer. Happy to have you on the panel. Thank you, gentlemen, for introducing yourselves. And now this is the part of the show. And I have to do a shout out to Richard Howells, who is the sponsor of this series. Richard, thank you. Great topics, great series, great guests. Appreciate your putting this together. Now it's time for my guests to tell me. They each sent me a quote from a movie, a book, a song, a play, a person famous, not so famous, almost famous. I'm going to read the quote with a little background on the source of the attribution and ask each guest to tell me how they picked the quote and what in the world it has to do with our topic. So first up is Ray Russ at Fujitsu Americas. Ray has said just a quote, very short one, six little words. I like the short ones. And it's from John C. Maxwell, John Calvin Maxwell. Maxwell, born in 1947. Ray, I'm allowed to call him a young man. Don't go there. He's an American author, speaker and pastor <laughs> who has written many books focusing mostly on leadership. His titles include The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. His book have sold millions some even made it to the new york times bestseller list here's the quote listen up you might miss it if you blink change is inevitable growth is optional ray tell me about this
2: thanks bonnie so um anyone who's received an email from me in the last 20 years might have noticed that in my email signature that's how long i've been uh had that quote in my tagline uh, back in the late 90s, I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps, gone to college, and then went to work for a couple of companies that were, uh, uh, getting ready for Y2K. So from a personal perspective, I thought that quote was very strong. I got military, went back to college, and then working with companies that were preparing for Y2K, um, it, it, it was, I just thought it was a perfect quote for, for business as well. Uh, And I've kept that in my tagline because I think it's even more important now. Uh, The pace of change is just, I think this is one of the most radical times for uh, the pace of change in IT and manufacturing since Y2K. And if companies aren't thinking about uh, growth, change is coming, as we all have seen. Uh, But if they're not thinking about growth, they're going to get left behind by their competitors uh, or obsolescence. So uh, I think it's it's, 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 as important today as it was 20 years ago.
1: I like that, and it reminds me, Ray, of a quote. I think it goes, uh, growing old is inevitable, growing up is optional. you ever heard that one?
2: I have, and I think it's uh, <laughs> <with> some, yes <laughs> and I, yes, I think it's a great quote as well.
1: You know, there's a quote, there's a song from Peter Pan, my my mom, my beautiful mom, who passed away at 100 years old, living on her own about three years ago. She had the music from the movie Peter Pan, and when we were growing up, we had a beautiful baby grand. She used to play it, and one of my favorite songs was, was Peter Pan's song, I won't grow up, I won't grow up, I don't want to go to school. Let's leave that alone, but I, it just reminded me of that. Thank you, Ray. Really a packed quote. Appreciate that. Mike Lackey, let's move around the table too. you. Uh, You have sent us a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I didn't know that his original name was Michael King Jr. He lived from 1929 to unfortunately just 1968. American Christian minister and activist who became the most visible spokesperson and leader in the civil rights movement until he was assassinated from 55 until he was assassinated in 68. He promoted nonviolence and civil disobedience. Here is the quote. Beautiful one. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. but whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Mike, these are words to live by. Where'd you find this one? beautiful
3: well you know I, you know I've been very fortunate growing up in Atlanta that I've been exposed to Dr. King and a lot of his his teachings for you know since you know probably since grade school so You know, innovation and motivation comes from many different places. We don't always have to look at technology. You know, I I know we quote, when I listen, Bonnie, there's a lot of people out there quoting Tesla and, and you know, the the Mm -hmm. great technical people that came before us. But, you know, when I read that, I just felt that, you know, that is a way to live our life. But it's also if you aren't moving forward. And the the time is now with this global economy and what we're going up against. You know, Brexit, did anybody ever see that coming? and how quickly it moves. That's right. Trade wars. Now, you know, the coronavirus, what it does to the supply chain and manufacturing, how can you respond? And we have to keep moving and we have to, and I believe we need to be moving faster. And uh, so when I read that quote of this a couple of weeks ago, I said, that's it. That's what I believe we need to be focusing on. And, and it's motivating us to, you know, to to think differently and and to move faster and build agility into what we're doing. And, Bonnie, I can tell you that song that your mom played for you and stayed yes. with you forever. I'm not sure you ever grew up. <laughs> you still have the drums in the back of your car?
1: I, my, my drums are in the living room. I just started a Latin band, Mike, and my my musicians are coming here today for practice. We're, we're debuting in four weeks at a community event. It's called Red Hot Ma- Red's Hot Mango. Let's just leave that one on the table for another show. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> Thank you for remembering my red sparkly drums. I, no, I'm never going to grow up, and and I love talking to smart people like you and Ray and Dave. And this is part of refusing to grow up, as I'm just so curious about the knowledge you can all share with me. And share with our listeners around the world so thank you mike for acknowledging my drums i very much appreciate that dave elmer is wondering what's going on here this is a love fest we're not going to grow up dave i don't know about you dave has sent us and dave Mike Lackey just mentioned Nikola Tesla, and that's who your quote is from. So, Mike, I think you peeked at the notes. Uh, Dave Elmer has sent us a quote from Tesla, 1856 to 1943. He was a Serbian-American inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, and futurist, best known for his contributions to the design of the modern alternating current electricity supply system, that's AC. And here's the quote. I don't care that they stole my idea. I care that they don't have any of their own. Dave, love this quote. Tell me how'd you find this one and what does it have to do with our topic today, please?
4: Um, I ran across that quote uh, probably about 20 years ago in college and Tesla was you know, kind of a good inspiration you know, for us electrical engineers that were out there. Um, I, I believe that the quote relates to Industry 4.0 because if you're going to have or you're going to change anything, you need persistence, and you need patience, and it's a requirement. Um, If you're going to go in and change the way a manufacturer does things or suggest, then you're going to need a lot of patience and a lot of resistance. So you have to see your ideas through, and I think that's part of it, and I think that's part of what Tesla did without the history lesson, I guess. Um, But I I think that's what he foreseen and what he was doing, and I, I think it is an exciting time for us, it's a very exciting time. Uh, it's an exciting time for people that are in IT and engineering, for that matter, um, because we have so much available to us. So, but I think the persistence and patience are important to see any idea through.
1: Thank you very much, Dave. I'm wondering when I read this, I don't care, they stole my idea. When you think about it, shows like this, we're talking about digitization. We're talking about modernization, digital transformation. We're talking about smart factory, using technology, doing what Mike Lackey quoted in Martin Luther King, keeping on moving forward. So the question is, because if if a company is not doing well they're they're not thriving they're just getting along day by day and they listen to you and Mike and Ray and they say oh smart factory we have to get on board we have to do this there it really wasn't an original idea but they have to take into consideration the thought leadership that we're all sharing so in a sense it's okay that they don't have their own but then they have to apply it and customize it to themselves I know I'm rambling here but Dave what do you think the the idea that companies have to get on board they can't just sit there and say well we're going to do the same thing we've always been doing it's good enough it's not good enough anymore is it Dave
4: it's not it's really not I think, I think the demand is uh, so much greater now and I do think that manufacturers especially they they need to adapt they have to adapt to times they have to adapt to the customer foremost um, and I, I think that's a requirement you know and and we have so many tools now available to us that we can adapt you know and we can do things differently than what we did 10 years ago and i think we need to
1: Thank you. I think so, too. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Love the quotes. Really appreciate your thoughtful thought leadership in picking great quotes. Now we're going to have a little fun. I'm going to go around the table and ask you all, what's your favorite drink? What powers you or relaxes you or inspires you or just makes you feel good or puts you to sleep? Uh, It can be any kind of a drink, any kind of beverage. It's okay to mention brand names. It's fine. We're not an influencer platform, but it's fun to hear what you really love. So Ray Russ at Fujitsu America's, what has recently or what will be in your cup, your Stein, your thermos, your glass, your flute, well, whatever, whatever. Talk to me, Ray.
2: <laughs> so I can't start my morning without my coffee, and uh, since it is the morning, uh, my favorite drink though will not be in my class or in my glass uh, right away. But I am <laughs> a um, I love American whiskeys, bourbons, and ryes. Um, and I've been lucky enough to – I spent a lot of time visiting plants um, in site visits versus uh, enterprise boardrooms at corporate headquarters. Uh, Mike might even have been on this tour one time, but I was lucky enough to visit uh, the Maker's Mark Distillery a few years mm. ago and get the tour from the head of operations. Um, and I love seeing how things are made and uh, visiting plants, but this was one of my favorites because it's something I actually like to drink as well. Uh, and then finishing up with the master distiller in the operations center. And being able to try that sour mash before it goes into the barrels, which I would not recommend doing more than once. Um, it's a very different taste than an aged uh, bourbon. So, but uh, it was a really great experience, and enjoyed that very much.
1: Sounds delicious. Glad it's not in your cup right now. No comment. Thank you, Ray <laughs> Mike Lackey. Well, what you drinking these days?
3: Oh, well, you know, I agree. It's in. The, it's early in the morning. Um, coffee's already gone. But I, I'm with I'm with Ray. Um, I love American bourbons uh, in the evenings, in the right time, right to kind of cap off the day. Uh, a lot of the master breweries from the big guys like Jack Daniels and Jim Beam they have left and started their own small batch breweries, and we're about a year or two away from those being the seven years they've been, you know, uh, in the barrels. It's American bourbon's about ready to just take off. Uh, there's this one called uh, Angel's Indy that's probably my favorite, small barrel, uh, that's just phenomenal. And they have angel wings etched in the back of their, their glass, of their, their bottle. So it's kind of mm. cool They talk about the the experience, right? But no, it's just American ingenuity. In you know, in, an, in a market we thought was dominated, there are so many small batch brewers out there. They're just making some of the best, you know, whiskeys that I've seen, that I think the U.S. has seen. Prohibition, so it's a uh, it's pretty phenomenal time, and and uh, yeah, you know, in the, in the evenings, that's probably what would be in my glass.
1: Thank you very much. Sounds delicious. Let's move around to Dave Elmer. What do you love to drink these days?
4: Oh, uh, I'm, I'm still drinking coffee because I'm on the other coast, so um, uh, but I think what I would say is, is that uh, my cup here, I'm looking at it, it had that on it, so I think I'm going to stick with that and leave it to the people listening, that's an important job too.
1: There you go. Thank you very much. And gentlemen, uh, Mike Lackey knows this about me. I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And now radio show days are five days a week. So no caffeine for me in the morning. I think I'm okay where I am. But I have a cool, clear glass of water here. Brought my cool, clear glass mugs with me from New York. Sitting here looking out on, thank goodness, a blue sky sunny day. But very cold here in Durham, North Carolina. I thought I was moving to the warm south. (laughs) Ha! Ha! Get over that one fast. Temperatures dip down into the 20s and 30s at night. What can I say? Everybody listening, I want you to know this is our our brand new series, Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise Radio. We're on episode two already. Our topic today is smart manufacturing in the factory of the future. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will start our roundtable in earnest with Ray Russ at Fujitsu Americas, Mike Lackey at SAP, and Dave Elmer at Hunter Douglas. I used to say, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. But my favorite NPR host just simply says one word and I'll I'll say it to all of you. Stay. Aaron out.
3: Voice America is available on your Google connected device.
0: Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio.
1: Try it today.
0: Manufacturers need to design, make, and deliver intelligent products that are manufactured in smart, automated factories, leveraging intelligent assets, and empowering employees. Changing the game with Industry 4.0 and the intelligent enterprise brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you digitize your business by implementing Industry 4.0. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top Industry 4.0 and supply chain experts as they share their insights on how manufacturing companies are transforming their businesses. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at voiceamerica.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent yes. Enterprise.
1: Yes, indeed. That's exactly what we're doing with three special guests today. Ray Russ from Fujitsu Americas, Mike Lackey at SAP, and Dave Elmer at Hunter Douglas. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham at Game Changers Radio. Now it's time for our roundtable, and we're going to start off with information That Ray Russ sent me before the show. I'll read a little bit from one of his statements, then he will expand us, and then we will invite Mike and Dave to chime in with their thoughts. So here's what Ray said. He says, we have heard multiple times from customer C-level executives as they start Industry 4.0 initiatives, quote, if we're going to fail, let's fail fast. And Ray adds, this ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm just simply going to say, Ray, ooh. Go ahead, Ray. Tell us more.
2: Um, Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah. And to really continue on that statement a little bit, um, not only self-fulfilling prophecy, but they not only fail fast, but they fail often. And then my question to them is always, why fail at all? And the ideal approach to creating a uh, connected enterprise and industry 4.0 program is develop a roadmap that shows the future, but also focus on projects that deliver business value in a few months. Um, I think I read something recently uh, about one of the biggest uh, challenges for companies trying to be in an 4.0 is the proliferation of POCs or uh, proof of concepts. Um, actually, even recently, I heard the term POC purgatory. And while POCs and production pilots or instead of proof of concept, like I say proof of value, have, uh, have value as part of building up the roadmap, um, too many companies we've seen get stuck in that purgatory and never take them any, any further than that. Uh, a good example of this is even um, Dave and I worked together at his previous company about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and Dave had recently come on board to uh, to start their Smart Factory Initiative, and prior to him taking on that role, They've gone through a couple of initiatives, um, and I think part of the challenge here is it's cultural difference, right? Between you think about IT, OT integration, plant managers, and the operator level at the plant, and then at the enterprise level, sometimes IT says, well, we've got this great platform. Let's go build something for the plant, and they don't work with the business, and you know, part of it, what Dave said to us when we came in to work with them was, if we fail again, we're not going to get another shot at this. So mm-hmm. i have taking a pragmatic approach and working with the business and the plant's uh, and making sure we brought them in to build out uh, the initiative in the project really helped us be successful at that end. And uh, and that's what my recommendation is. Make sure you're building it out, work with the business, build that roadmap, and use POCs or POVs or production pilots uh, as part of that overall program. Otherwise, you'll get stuck there.
1: Thank you very much. Great insights. Let's move around to Mike Lackey. Agree or disagree? What would you like to add to what Mr. Russ just said? Mike?
3: Well, I think, I think Ray was, was very, he's accurate on what he's saying and how the plan, but I will tell you this, we can't be afraid to fail, okay? We learn more from failures than we do from our successes, right? I think there's more emphasis on that. And what I'm seeing today are companies afraid to take that next step, and they want it to be perfect. Well, it's not going to be perfect, right? We have to build flexibility and agility into our plans and be able to adapt on the feedback we're getting and the results. And, and, you know, and keep, keep that moving forward. So, you know, I, I tell customers, uh, I agree with, with what Ray was saying, you know, we need to do a better job of planning and being prepared, but at the same time, we need to get moving. Take the data we have, make the best decision given, and if, if we see failure with the amount of data that we can get or the right data that we can get, then we adjust. You know, the, the, there's not a perfect plan. It's, there's a perfect plan in a moment in time but as we collect more data, as we analyze, we get the results. Have the ability and the flexibility, and I, I think Ray said it right in the culture, in your systems, in your planning uh, to adapt. And if we do that, we're going to reach success. And uh, that's that's where I think is we can't be afraid to fail.
1: There you go, Dave Elmer. Please chime in. What's your point of view? What do you observe?
4: Yeah, I agree with both. I, I think that it's an it's an incremental gain. I think that most of it is is aligned to small steps, constant steps with with the business, um, changing cultures one one conversation at a time. You know, you you also have to align the digitalization to that, and then align the business to understand what you're trying to accomplish and accomplish it together. So uh, I, I do. I think it's a, it's a small progression forward. Uh, Ray alluded to that. Um, we built out uh, major uh, digitalization over a seven-year period, uh, and it started off as a very small POC that was very successful that was widespread across the globe after that. So, I believe it just starts small and has to be proven. Uh, but the ideas will definitely come with the more that you involve. So,
1: thank you very much, Ray. Anything you want to comment back to your two co-panelists who are so articulate on this topic, as well as you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, no, Mike and I, I've known Mike a long time. And I I guess I'm not against failing. I guess it just seemed like uh, the last five to 10 years, it seemed to be an excuse for a lot of people for projects that didn't uh, happen Mm -hmm. because of failing. But the most important thing he said there, I think was that that a lot of the challenges are getting started and um, whether they do a POC or a production pilot, they don't take it to the next step. And that's where we've really got to companies really to move forward is really getting those projects started and moving forward. So, um, uh, Great comments from both of them.
1: Thank you very much. Good conversation starter. Mike Lackey, I'm looking at your statement number two. Tell me if you want to go here. It says, for success, it is key to move digitalization and Industry 4.0 from factory-focused initiatives to a company-wide competition-beating business strategy. And Mike, this goes back to something I, I was rambling earlier in the show and I said uh, about the, the Tesla co- quote that uh, Dave Elmer brought us, that you might not have an original idea, but you have to get on board. You got to get your toe in the water. You got to move forward with your digital transformation and accept and embrace Factory 4.0, regardless of how many failures on the way, you've got to walk and run and keep moving forward. So what what is this about a company-wide competition beating business strategy? Is this an original idea or can you be a copy? Cat, I'm asking too many questions. Mike Lackey, talk to me, please.
3: Well, you know, I try to be as as original as I can, but there's a lot <laughs> written out there. Bonnie, it's you know, um, you can't you got to knock down the silos. You you can't just hey, I'm changing manufacturing because there's new technology out there. Uh, that's not a game changer, right? It has to be a company wide initiative. Where is the company going? What is the strategy with? And then how? does manufacturing support that how does your supply chain support that how does marketing support that how does sales it has to be in unity uh, and everybody driven in, in the same direction you know a, a significant catalyst to the industry Ford Idaho adoption it, you know is consumer technology driven evolution of, a, of customers behaviors and expectations is the innovations are those that are developed to solve existing challenges and provide your business with a competitive advantage and how you can better serve your customer. If you keep that customer in the focus of what you're doing, you know, it has to come from the uh, from the CEO level or the board mount, and it has mm-hmm. to start from the shop floor up. And everybody has to be aligned or you're not going to be successful. It just creates too many challenges. And that's a culture change you have to kind of go through. But as long as you keep the customer in focus and everybody is focused on that customer and delivering that competitive advantage or that better experience, These projects will be successful, and it has to be company-wide. It cannot be just a manufacturing initiative.
1: Thank you, Mike. And I was looking as well as what you said, and, yes, we love to talk about the people part, and you did company-wide, leadership, top-down. But also, what about this competition-beating strategy? Is this something that could be – and let's go back to what Ray just said – Fail fast, fail off. Well, we didn't beat him in this round. Let's see if we can come up with something else innovative and creative on the next round. Any quick thoughts about that, Mike? How do you find that competition? If everybody's out to beat their competition and you're one of theirs, what, what can you do these days? What's the, what's the answer?
3: Well, well, listen, we strive to be successful, right? Uh, I mean, just uh, I was reading, uh, watching something the other day, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. Um, And look how successful he became. You continue to work. You continue to strive. If you look at the now economy that we're in, you know, you have to deliver on customers' expectations. You have to deliver on the price the customers are wanting to pay, the quality of the product, the individualization that they want. You have to deliver it on time when they want it. Yeah, if you're two days late, you know what? you probably lost the customer forever. So these expectations from customers, I don't mean just consumer and retail. I mean the OEMs that, that are out there, automotive, the heavy equipment, uh, even oil and gas on down the road. Every industry is putting more and more pressure on their supply chain to deliver. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to stay focused on this. And so, yeah, you may, you know, there's challenges in doing that, but if you want to be number one, you want to be the leader, we all stress to be successful. You have to be thinking ahead. Or my process today, they may be working, but what's my business going to look like in the future, and am I planning for that? And that's what I was you know, trying to drive here, is that we've got to start thinking differently based on how fast things change in the
1: market, mm-hmm. how fast your business changes. Thank you very much. Dave Elmer, please join us. Thoughts?
4: Yeah, I would agree. I think the, the you know the competition-beating business strategy is... Is, is evolving, and I, I think that it's laying the groundwork to build a passionate group that um, or an initiative that is started in, in, the, in the business, right? In the manufacturing space, you know, they have to see the vision of what can be done before you can execute upon that. So, uh, like any idea, it does take patience too and persistence. Uh, you, you can't change and evolve a culture overnight and evolve this mission uh, within the company that's been very successful. So your approach needs to be, or your vision has to be sold upon everybody so they can, uh, you know, execute with you, you know, and I think that's, that's important. But now we have so many more tools available to us. It's not just... Uh, you know, production planning is the only way to get to this mm-hmm. this end result. I mean, we have so many more um, that can be constituted together to build
2: that vision.
1: Thank you. Ray Russ, chime in, please. Join us.
2: Yeah. So, <clears throat> first of all, one thing that Dave said, and, he, and I think he really said it well, was you can't um, – overestimate the impact on culture, right? I think Mike said it earlier, and I think I said it in a statement earlier. Um, and then Mike, it's, we hit it right on the head too. So I, I think the the projects that we've seen successful, the companies we've seen be successful, are the ones that have a company-wide strategy. And he's right. You got to start with the board. It's, it's a bottoms-up and a top-down approach. Um, I mentioned earlier one of the projects or some of the things we saw fail was because people were building things in silos, whether it be a plant manager who was just trying to do his business day in, day out at the plant level, and then maybe even the IT group sending an application down. If you're not thinking this strategically and making sure um, these initiatives are coming from the top down, but working with your 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 plant operators and your plant managers, they're not going to be successful. Um, And so I agree 100% with Mike. It's company-wide and uh, making sure all the teams are working together.
1: Thank you very much. And I think we're – let's go around to Mike, anything you want to say to them before I move on? I have a very interesting statement here from Dave Elmer. I'm ready to pounce on it. Mike,
3: good? No. Let's get to Dave.
1: Okay. Here we go. Dave Elmer, I'm looking at statement number three. I mentioned in my opening, Dave, that companies have – manufacturers have so much data – How do they find it? How do they know it's the right data? How do they know what to do with it? So let me go to your statement number three. Very interesting. You say Industry 4.0 can be a disruptive force to all data, transactional data, real-time data, historical data, and just plain data. And they're all required to create a real smart factory. And you put smart all in caps. I love this. Dave, why don't you tell us more, please? Uh,
4: Thank you. Uh, Well, I I think before it was just, Uh, If you roll back in time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, it was all mostly designed around transactional data. And then there was a point in time where we started to layer in real-time data. And then again, we started to lay in historical data. Um, But what data is important and what matters, um, it depends on the point of view. And I believe that's where really good visionaries can see what people are trying to digitalize and see what they're trying to accomplish. And then the data will lead them to what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, We have so much data now. It's just sifting through what is important and where are we going with it? You know, is it, is it real time? And do we need to get stuff to the customer faster? Then that's the approach that we're going to take. Is it historical and, We know how to plan different, and that's the approach we take. But now we have all of it, and we can actually process it now. So it creates a very powerful knowledge base that we can shift to all the business-making decisions.
1: Thank you, Dave. Ray Rush, chime in here. Great points. I love the the list of all the data, and it, it can be overwhelming. Ray, what's your POV on this, please?
2: So I'm going to agree with everything Dave said, and and uh, I'm going to expand a little bit, I think, touch on something Mike said as well. Um, a lot of this data that these companies have and have been gathering over the years, most of it's internal, but I'm going to quote Mike Lackey real quick, and I believe it was Mike at a conference a few years ago said something that I agreed with, but it just really hit home with me, was I used to think the most important thing in manufacturing was getting the production order down to the shop floor, uh, and now I realize it's getting the customer requirements down to the shop floor. Uh-huh. And that's what he said it earlier about whether it be a lot size of one or getting the customer um, customized information. But that data is as important as what we're, the data we're collecting inside of our four, four walls at our, at our plant to improve our efficiency and quality. But also are we making sure we're meeting uh, the customer demands? Uh, I think it's as important as that internal data as well.
1: Thank you very much. Mike Lackey, chime in, please. Good, good conversation here. Go ahead, Mike.
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. We've been collecting big data in manufacturing for 40 years. There was a thing called a historian. And, you know, about 70, I read a study that 70% of that data was never really used. And now all of a sudden it's not about collecting the big data, it's about collecting the right data. So we're going from transactionally driven to data-driven decisions. And when you start overlaying things like machine learning where you collect data and you're able to automate, you know, decision-making and processes, uh, you know the transformation that can happen is, is pretty phenomenal. He's not looking for, you know, just a, a linear improvement, continuous, you know, three to five percent. They're wanting double digits. They're wanting to really change the game here and they serve the customers. And so when you're expecting a step change, you know, double digits, 20%, 40%, you know, returns, reductions in inventory, uh on time delivery, things that are key KPIs in manufacturing Uh, You know, you have to really take the data and make the best decisions. And I think that what we're getting to is a point of getting the right decision or the right data to make the right decision. I always say we do a great job when there's a, 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 a decision to be made to get the right people in the room. You know, you have all the executives in the room, but do you really have the right data? And I think that's the same thing in manufacturing. We have a lot of bright people. We just got to get the data at the point of work, at the point of decision in real time, so that we can, you know, have these um, double-digit returns on the investments that we're delivering in this digital transformation.
1: Thank you. Dave Elmer, great topic. Anything you'd like to add to what Ray and Mike added to your topic, Dave?
4: No, I, I, the only thing that I can add is I, is I believe it's, it's an evolution. You know, I think it's, it's been on this path for a while now, and, and I would emphasize more around, to that the data is, is we can process it now. And before, we couldn't process those decisions that we can today.
1: Thank you very much. Gentlemen, while you were talking, I looked up what we're talking about, and I found an interesting uh, white paper, it looks like, from the Economist Intelligence Unit, and just I'll read the title to you, Manufacturing and the Data Conundrum, Too Much, Too Little, or Just Right? Remember Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Okay, too much, too little, or just right. So there you go. Very interesting topic. Thank you. I think we have time to squeeze in one more topic, and here's something I want to talk about, Ray, from your notes. Ray Russ, uh, you say the new servitization or as-a-service model of manufacturing is about to go mainstream. This is where Industry 4.0 with data at its core is taking us. Can you just explain this a little bit, Russ, and we'll quickly go around the table and everybody get ready for your crystal ball predictions. We're almost there. Ray, go ahead.
2: Yeah, Mike touched on it earlier too. Is is the service? You know, uh, anything is a service, whether it be. I guess a lot of people call it the Uberization of manufacturing, right? But um, there's even companies out there in Europe right now that are rolling out smart factory as a service, uh, being able to reduce capital investments, but actually only pay for um, the output. Uh, and I think that's going to be the one of the biggest changes in manufacturing over over the next five years. Is more and more companies adopt. Uh, Services as, an, as anything go-to-market strategy.
1: Okay. Anybody want to comment on that as a service model, Mike or yes. Dave?
3: Yeah, bon- Bonnie, I'll, yeah, Bonnie. I'll throw in my two cents. Look, please. To make this happen, make this happen. Products have to get smarter. Right, the mm-hmm. smart the, the the products are giving us better feedback in the field on their performance. That leads back into better design. That leads back into better manufacturing processes. So it's a continuous loop here of delivering you know the smart products in the smart production lines, in the smart factory, in the smart enterprise, right? And that's why, you know, we're talking a lot about right now is being intelligent, the intelligent enterprise that has intelligent connected supply chain uh, with that intelligent factory, smart factory, digital plant, what do you want to call it. But when all those are working together, you are, you know, really changing how you service your customers.
1: Thank you very much. All good. Dave Elmer, anything you want to quickly add? i got a minute for you.
4: Yeah, I- Yeah, I'll go quick. I I agree totally with uh, the two. Uh, I think that the service is now available. I think before it was just a transaction to the customer and away the product went. And I think now uh, consumers expect more and we can deliver more.
1: Good. I like that. As a consumer, I like that very much. I'm an armchair shopper these days, by the way. The only retail I go to is the grocery store, and I don't even have to do that anymore. Oh, my goodness gracious. All all the supply chains are converging to make purchasing that much easier. Ray Russ, you're up first. We are now officially in the Crystal Ball Predictions round of the show. I'll give you each 60 seconds, but I know you'll take 90 because that's the way it usually goes. Ray, look into the future. The future starts right after I finish My sentence, that was the future. It's in the past now. See how fast it goes? Look into the future anytime from after the show, which is over in about eight minutes to up to 2025. What would change if we revisited this topic? And I hope we will. Smart manufacturing in the factory of the future. Ray Russ, go ahead. It's all yours.
2: Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. So, you know, there's been a lot of advancement in technology over the years, but uh, in my opinion, Industry 4.0 is the most disruptive since Y2K. Y2K, though, is all about fear, the end of the world, right? Um, the major difference now, though, is strategic in nature, and how do you or your company adapt to stay relevant to, you know, um, Mike's comment about competition. Um, by the year 2025, the World Bank estimates some $60 trillion of business is at risk of redistribution. And that's just a polite way of saying loss to new competitors. So companies out there that are thinking about how to stay relevant, I would bring up a couple examples, which would be Fujifilm and Kodak, right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, they both knew from the 70s uh, that digital uh, film was on its way. Uh, Kodak was very slow to make changes. Fujifilm now considered himself a technology company. And then who to think? Uh, Blockbuster versus Netflix and one of those two co- one companies doesn't even exist anymore. I think they closed their last door. Uh, and Netflix is, is uh, making Oscar-nominated movies. So how do you stay relevant yes. uh, is what companies would be thinking about as they create their uh, Industry 4.0 initiatives and roadmap.
1: Right, we could quote David Bowie. Remember this one? Changes, ch ch, ch- changes, turn and face the strange. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let's move around the table to predictions from Mike Lackey at SAP. Mike, uh, you could have sixty seconds, uh, maybe a smidge more. Go ahead, Mike.
3: All right, listen, Breath, embrace the change here. Right? Look, you know, we're we're today excited about uh, you know, six hour delivery, two hour delivery. You know, I think in the future you're looking at it, when you, when you order it, it can be there at your at your doorstep, right? And the supply chains are getting intelligent. I think you know our factories of the future are going to become more automated. The worker does not go away. The worker becomes you know more technical, you know more intelligent to keep those factories running. Um, but to be able to deliver what you want, that 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 product is just for you, that individualized product. Um, you know, you order a car, all of a sudden the orders go out, and the supply chain goes into action and delivers very custom parts all throughout the interior of your car. So when you get it, that experience becomes phenomenal. Now, that kind of goes against, you know, products as a service, but uh, there's a lot I think is going to happen Uh, When the factories become more automated, the flexibility and the agility you have to deliver is going to just uh, change customers' expectations on what is achievable uh, in their day-to-day life.
1: Thank you very much. And if we link that to the experience economy, everything somebody, a consumer, a customer, remembers about the experience of dealing with your company your product the delivery the quality everything that becomes the experience and the experience becomes the product and omg all the tables are turned dave elmer i saved Ooh, dave you're the lucky one today you get 90 seconds for your prediction because they were so concise go ahead dave elmer
4: thanks so much thanks for having me Uh, I I believe Industry 4.0 is is very disruptive. I think that it's going to change the way that and change the way that we can do about anything. Um, I think that now we have the ability to do end-to-end supply chain all the way to the manufacturing floor. Uh, For anybody that's in the industry, that's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I think that Uh, We also have the ability to bring data in and out, and I think that's really exciting because the tools that are available to us now are way beyond the tool sets we had 10 years ago, and I can't imagine what they'll even be in 10 more years and what we can do with them. So as a technologist, uh, I enjoy the future of what's to become, uh, so I'm excited to even see
1: more of it. Thank you very much. I can hear the palpable excitement, all three of you. Thank you so much. I've learned so much from the three of you. And again, shout out to Richard Howells at SAP, who many times has been on Game Changers with me for actually sponsoring the series and coming up with the idea. And he works with Mindy Davis. And I know Michelle Smith at SAP was also involved in setting up the series. So thank you. And also a shout out to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire with the nerves of steel. We really put him through his paces here on the business channel at World Talk Radio. Voice America. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. I'd like to see those in the manufacturing process. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Ray Russ at Fujitsu Americas, just like Mike Lackey at SAP Digital Manufacturing, and just like Dave Elmer at Hunter Douglas. Signing off for now. We'll be back tomorrow with another live show, 9 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. Check it out. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks
0: again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.